Welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier, and this week we are in the camps of five men who between them have 48 ATP Tour titles, and they have a bit in common. They're all over 30, they're all still going strong, and they've all had to contend with some serious injuries over the past few years. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll hear from Marin Cilic, Milos Raonic and David Goffa, and we're with Grigor Dimitrov's coach Dante Bettini. But we start with the senior statesman of the group, title winner in Newport earlier this year, having dropped outside the world's top 100. At 35 years young, South Africa's Kevin Anderson has been speaking with Jill Kravis. Yeah, it's been a pretty interesting road, to say the least. Uh, sort of flashback to 2018, you know, best year of my career. And then I uh, started 2019 with a title in Pune. And then in Australia, you know, I felt my elbow and that lasted on and off throughout the whole year and then went to my knee. And uh, yeah, so, you know, fast forward, it's been, uh, you know, a couple of knee surgeries. And uh, even after the surgery, it really took several months. I remember even US Open last year, the day before my first round match against Zverev, obviously a very tough match. I mean, I couldn't even practice and, you know, I was able to go and play and compete. So it was just, it's really been up and down and it's very unpredictable. But fortunately, you know, I say in the last like three, four months, I feel like I've had a lot more consistency, which is, you know, which has been great. Uh, this year, even, I mean, I had to miss the whole clay court season. I had to miss Acapulco just with some sort of freak, uh, you know, unexpected injuries, nothing that's sort of the chronic stuff. Um, so that was just a little bit unlucky. But I'd say even in the last sort of few months, fortunately, knock on wood, everything's been good. I mean, there's still aches and pains here and there. But as long as I can compete and not have to uh, compensate too much, you know, I'd gladly take that. And just talk about how tough that is mentally, because, you know, when you know you've had gone through those surgeries, I think just physically coming back and mentally feeling more comfortable on the court. What are some steps that you had to take to, to feel really confident again? Yeah, I mean, you know, you could break those down. You've got the physical component. So, you know, you're rehabbing and coming back. And then, uh, you know, you need to be strong enough to compete day in and day out. And that's where it's tough with tennis. There's no, I mean, obviously every sport has its own, you know, challenges, but, you know, there's nobody who you can sub in for or you can just play maybe 60% of the game and then, you know, call somebody else. I mean, you have to be there the whole time and then not just one match. I mean, it's, you know, consecutive days. So, I mean, obviously that's where the, the physical component comes in. And then, you know, mentally it's it's getting over the fact that you're missing tournaments for starters. Uh, it's, uh, you know, believing in the process of rehab. And then almost the most challenging part is when you do find yourself back on the court, things have changed I mean you know I, I think back to 2017 2018 I'm you know I'm a different player it's it's I mean obviously I can take a lot what I learned those years but you know my body's a little bit different um and your but your expectations sort of remain the same so you know that the patience uh is a pretty tricky thing to deal with because you know I'm going into grand slams and you know, before anything, before at least like round of 16 or quarterfinals was, you know, not really a great result. And now I'm not seated. I'm playing, you know, high-ranked guys. You know, I played like, for instance, Djokovic second round Wimbledon, Berrettini first round at Australia. And it's not like I can't win those matches, but, you know, it's tough. And then you sort of lose early on and then you sort of get frustrated. So it's really about building that process again, one match at a time. And uh, but as you said, so, you know, there's certainly some challenges physically, but mentally as well. And also the, the longevity of your career. I mean, you're now 35 years old. Yep. Obviously, the sport's 
I, f- I feel like it's getting more physical every year. Yeah. To be able, does that has that changed the way you practice, you train at all? Yeah, I mean, I'd say over the years, uh, I probably spend more and more time doing, you know, treatment, rehab. I mean, definitely the amount of practice time has been less. I mean, I still think probably next year that's a further adjustment I need to make, almost reducing some of some of the practice time just to. You know, I just need to sit down and see how I can maximize the next. Because I want to play at least for another, you know, two, three years and, you know, hopefully more. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's there's it's a very physical game, um, especially the, I think one of the toughest ones is just the lack of recovery, having to play consecutive days, long matches. Um, that's what sort of takes its toll as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm 35. I mean, you know, looking around, I'm, you know, for the longest time, you know, there was uh, the tours getting older. I felt the average age, but now I'm sort of finding myself like I am one of the oldest players, you know, out here. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of young guys, which is great for the sport. But uh, hopefully, my body will, you know, step and I can I can give those young guys, uh, you know, a run for their money. I feel like that's a, it's becoming a wide range because I feel like it's 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 very encouraging that you, for me that you're becoming one of those guys that people look up to that are that are playing longer, that are still sustaining themselves. I just need to mention, of course, you became a father a couple years ago. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. I saw uh, amazing pictures of you guys on the court in Newport when you won the title there. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Great achievement. Um, how is, has that changed your perspective on the court Become now that you're a father? Has that changed anything for you? I mean, I think on the court, not so much, uh, to be honest. I mean, you know, I'm... I've always had a lot of passion and motivation to be playing, so um, I wouldn't say like it's given me extra motivation. I mean, different perspective. I mean, oh, tennis away from the courts, you know, what my life is like when I'm back at the house or after a tough match, maybe a match hasn't gone my way. And, you know, obviously when I'm back, she's <laughs> doesn't really care what's, you know, what's, uh, what's happened out there. So I, I'd say like it's been a perspective change, um, especially off the court. I'd say on the court, I, it's been quite similar. I mean, I'm sure every play is, you know, different, but... I've always played with her with a lot of you know passion, and um, I, I really wanted a lot out there. So I feel like that's remained consistent. Um, yeah, I'd love to play for a few more years. So at least she has some memories of of me playing. Because I don't know right now. I don't think she's gonna you know <laughs> remember this right now. But um, no, as I said, it's been. Uh, I think it's been. Yeah, the last one a little bit tough is uh, you know the difference. I mean, my wife traveled with me every single right. week. I mean, for a number of years and. Uh, that was great. So it's been a little bit of a, a change for us. Obviously, that's uh, she's not able to travel so much, but uh, I think that's just obviously part of uh, a, a part of being parents. I, I know last year was so tough for a lot of people in the world with the pandemic. It forced you to be home a little bit more often, and it was immediately after your surgery. Yeah. Was that something that you felt like you were able to embrace and enjoy that time? Because it's very rare that you get that amount of time at home yeah, I mean, as I've, a player. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time at home in the last sort of couple of years, and even before the pandemic, I was at home a lot because I was already having some uh, some injuries, um, and you know, when the tour shut down, I just, I just had uh, my second knee surgery, so I was going to be out for a while in any case. Uh, but no, I mean, after a while, I was you know healthy and ready to go. But uh, I think the silver lining was being able to spend a lot of time at home, and I think that adjustment of uh, have, having our first child, um, you know, is there for a lot of it. I read a quote that you said that over the course of your career, you feel like you've done a really good job of being able to become a lot more competitive as you've matured. Can you provide us maybe some details on that, like how how that's become, how you've become um, and grown? Yeah, I would love to see sort of what I was referring to or the context because I feel like I've always been very competitive. I feel like 
the the trust and belief in my game has definitely I mean now it's been like this for a while but I feel like that was a big you know something that I needed to improve and and and, and work on I felt you know sort of early days and maybe just not growing up amongst a tennis just being a little bit further from the scene coming from South Africa um, I sometimes found it a little bit intimidating playing some players who you know I'd seen on TV and um, they kind of look so comfortable you know at all these tournaments but you know on the flip side I think that sort of uncertainty really forced me or motivated me to work as hard as I could so just like with a lot of things there's always some you know pros and cons or give and take with it so uh, but yeah I mean just figuring out my game um, I've I mean I felt I've always been very competitive and maybe someone's a little bit too critical um, so I mean I think it's, it's, there's you're always trying to figure things out I mean I'm still trying to you know become a better you know when I say competitor just allowing myself to play the best tennis that I can you know on the match court and uh, you know it's, that's where I feel like there's still um, you know there's, uh, there's still improvement to be made Kevin Anderson with Jill Krabus and we'll hear more from Kevin next week when he talks sustainability and governance in tennis Our next guest this week comes in a couple of years younger than Anderson and pipped him in titles this year with two in St. Petersburg and Stuttgart, his first since 2018. He's from Croatia. He has 20 career titles to his name, including the US Open in 2014. It is, of course, Marin Cilic. From Croatia, Marin Cilic. There's a lot of players, Nick, that would sign for his career. Uh, and we hear it very often just for the love of the game. I mean, you know, how many people in the world actually do enjoy what they do and really can be benefiting out of it, uh, be helping the community, um, you know, for me with the charity work through my foundation, uh, also being on the tour. Uh, trying to improve yourself every single day, every single week. This sport is, in that sense, incredible. But uh, for me, it's also part to see how far I can go, uh, what I can reach uh, with my own level, and uh, that that is definitely pushing me forward. So uh, I enjoyed success with winning a lot of different tournaments with, uh, you know, US Open and a couple finals of Grand Slams, winning the Master 1000 event, but you know, it's still that part in me that wants to improve and wants to get better. Oh, he's done it! And what a way to seal victory! Marin Cilic wins his very first Masters 1000 title. still have that small article back at home that is framed and uh, sits on the wall and it says one day at Wimbledon and that was my dream you know as a 14 year old kid uh, coming from a small town that dream came true many many years ago in 2007 and since then uh, I'm living the dreams that I have never dreamt of and not even thought of uh, that I'm going to be playing 15 years on the tour and having so much success. So everything what happened is was just a miracle. Oh, wow. 
I've definitely been a really long career, 15 years on the tour and uh, seeing a lot of places as, as you can imagine. I have to say the career was in every sense incredible and, and to be a part of this generation that has played uh, in these uh, you know, last 10-15 uh, years was, was just uh, really uh, once for, for one thing a dream come true and the other side also uh, incredible experience. The mind changes during the career. When you are a youngster coming up on the tour, you feel there is so much time ahead of you, you know. There is so many chances for you uh, to win these Grand Slams, big tournaments, you're anyway playing, you know, you always feel there is going to be a chance. But when the time just starts to click on and, and goes on and on and on, and uh, you find yourself asking yourself a question, how much time there is left? Looking back now, um, what would I give myself advice to? That would be it, you know, just try to use the best I can those opportunities that are, that are actually in front of me. Yeah, it feels so organic. Yeah, under the sun and on one planet, yeah. Tennis career, you can never have everything perfect and, uh, you know, you always have uh, some difficulties and struggles and challenges ahead, and uh, so that's also a beauty of the sport. You can understand the frustration. Yeah, you gotta live life just to love life. And it was not easy, uh, you know, when, when you enjoy success, which I had as well, uh, you know, many years having really good seasons, uh, it's, it's also a challenge mentally that you just, you know, keep yourself very positive. Cause life is a novel, we gone full throttle, yeah. we ain't promised yeah. tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Uh, being a father is just an uh, incredible feeling. You know, last year was, was an incredible blessing for me. My first son was born and me and my wife had an amazing year. And now he's 15 months old, so uh, enjoying every single day with him. And, you know, that definitely changes pers perspective. Do you remember the beginning? First time your eyes met mine. Kids and babies are so pure in that sense. They fall down, they get up. Uh, nothing like not, nothing happened, and you can actually learn so much uh, from them. When you fall down, you get up. You fall down, you get up. But also learning through those experiences. I also ask myself that question: How would I like to be remembered? You know, when I get. To the old stage of my life, would it be because of my results or would it be just uh, because of something else? I would say, okay, it's definitely great to have this success and everything, but also that I enjoyed myself. I worked hard, but enjoyed myself and had a great time in my life. So hopefully because of that. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. It's been a season of ups and downs for Belgium's David Goffin. 
He started well with a title in Montpellier in February, but suffered a number of early exits before calling time on his season after the US Open. Still only 30, there are high expectations for the former world number seven. So how does he assess things since teaming up with a new coach, a childhood friend, Germain Gigonon? I wanted to uh, go back to something uh, familiar and... Uh He's uh, first he's my friend, but also he started to work on the tour on the women's tour for uh, two or three years, and uh, he made a good job. So uh, so I wanted to to start with him after after working with uh, coaches, uh, form, uh, former coaches in Belgium, and then Thomas Johansson. I wanted to go back to uh, to him because uh, from for my head also to. Um, uh, to work with somebody then who knows me perfectly with him uh, I don't have to to talk sometimes uh, he knows exactly when uh, he sees me play like uh, how I feel uh, if I if I'm tied or not or if I play well or not so he knows me perfectly well and then he knows tennis of course and uh, it's a it's a great collaboration you know it's uh, to, to to travel with him he's uh, such a nice guy he like uh, like I said, he had a, he has an amazing memory, so he knows exactly all the matches uh, that that we played together already. Of course, all the points, and uh, so it's quite fun to travel with him. Yeah, and it's somebody you've known almost the entirety of your life. Yes. Uh, how how do you balance though the the idea of I guess friendship with the professional side of a coach and and player? Yeah, it it, it could be the best. Uh, the best thing in our uh, relationship uh, because like uh, like I said he he was a former player he was a top 200 so he knows tennis he played some matches he played at the French Open so um, he knows and um, and it could be a, a, a strength that that it's my friend because but the only thing is that we ha- we have to to talk to each other like uh, really uh, how to how to say in english like uh, straight if we, if if he has to say that 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 it's bad he has to tell me even if it's my friend and both i have to tell him also when i'm not happy and uh, but we're doing like that for the moment and it's uh, and it's great we're feeling both great what were you doing through much of 2020 what when in during the downtime what were you doing there um in in that stretch uh you know during the the confinement it was it was not easy in europe in, in 2020 um i started the year well in uh, in australia and then uh, and then the confinement came and uh, it, w- it was not easy you have to stay fit you have to try to work a little bit at home because you you cannot see uh, uh your staff your fitness coach and uh but I try to come back uh, fit and 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 well in uh, in New York at the end of the year, and then it was not easy because we were not prepared for that. Like uh, all of a sudden uh, bubbles, and then no crowd, and then it was empty, and it was uh, it was not easy to manage those bubbles. So I was I was happy that 2020 was over in November because I had to. Uh, to prepare again my uh, my head for uh, 2021 and this year it's uh, it's much better because we we know what to expect in those bubbles but hopefully it's behind us now. I, I guess I asked that question though because 
As I was preparing for this interview, uh, I, I try to find out a little bit more about you as a, a person rather than just a player. Yep. And there's not a lot out there. And so I just wonder what it, what it is that maybe you found away from the court during that time that kept you occupied, happy uh, during that stretch. And you've obviously also had injury periods. So what are you doing during those times that kind of keep you in a, in a positive mindset? Yes, of course. Uh, so we have my fiance, of course, together we spend time together. She's traveling with me, so it's okay. Uh, we can spend time together. But uh, but at home also, I see my family, um, you know, because I, I live in Monaco and then my family is in Belgium. So I try to go in both countries to see, uh, to spend time at home, also in Monaco, but to spend time with my family as well. Family is important, so uh, I try to spend time as soon as I can with them. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, in my free time, I try to play some different sports as well. Some, really? Some golf, some paddle. And uh, but always sports, sports, sports every day. So with, when it comes to paddle, uh, I have heard some some people say it's it's a great disadvantage to be as talented as you are on the tennis court. Is that accurate? I mean, what if you were playing against the best paddle ball player in the world, the best paddle player in the world, what would it be like? You know, uh, it's like in every sport, you think you play well, but when you play against professional, it's not the same story. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, of course, from tennis, you have an advantage too, because it's, it comes quick, because you have rackets, you have balls, and then you know, it's, I'm fast on the court, so it's an advantage for me on a, on a paddle court. But when you play guys, like they are, they are beasts, they are monsters, they, they, ca they cannot lose a point. Uh, no, it's, it's very tough. It's not the same sports together. David Goffin with Mike Cation, who also managed to sit down with Dante Bottini, coach of Grigor Dimitrov. Since beating Goffin to win the NITO ATP finals in 2017 and go three in the world, it's been a mixed bag for the Bulgarian. But with Bottini in his camp, there were some very encouraging signs this year, notably semi-finals in Indian Wells and San Diego and a quarter-final at the Australian Open. So how does his coach feel he handles the ups and downs? Well, obviously, you got to be uh, try to be the most positive uh, in these situations, you know. And it's not easy to go and lose on the first round or second round, you know. So, so I knew that he was going to do good at one point because he's, he was doing everything good outside the court, on the court, on practice. Uh, the problem was when he would come up and play the matches, you know, the... the, the the energy or something wasn't there. So I knew that at one point he was going to turn it around. And uh, you just have to be positive and, and try to encourage him and try to tell him all the good things that he's doing. And, and you know, that's what has been happening and that's what happened now, you know. Uh, his tennis was there, you know. Uh, physically, he feels great. He's eating great. So there is, there is, uh, he's a great player. There is no chance that he will continue on, on this bad luck, you know. It's it's a really interesting thing because I, I read an interview you did at the beginning of the year once you guys started working together and you said that he was able to fix things on the court so quickly. He would be able to recognize something that was wrong and fix it. The mental side is completely different in that regard, isn't it? It kind of takes a little bit of time to click. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And, and it's, it's easier to do it there when you practice, you know, when you don't have the pressure and, and you're more relaxed. So, you know, he needs to find that balance on when he goes to the court to enjoy it out there and to, and to be also be able to have fun and to, 
you know, you know, recognize that he can make mistakes too, you know, so don't get too, too, too low or too down in yourself. So when he does that, you know, he's, he's a completely different player. What is your philosophy on, on the mental side? How do you, uh, do you work with psychologists if you have a player who's struggling? How, how do you approach that side? Yes, I like to have a, a, a person, you know, that, that, that a psychologist, sports psychologist, you know, I think it's very important. Um, but also, I, I try to, to understand the, the person and the player uh, that I'm with, and then uh, always try to get the, 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 the best things that he does, you know, so then encourage the, the, the positive vibes uh, on, on him. Obviously, the, the bad things that he does, trying to tell him in a manner that that is not going to put him down, just to, to keep learning. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm a very positive person. And whenever a, a loss happens, you know, obviously I talk to my player, but I'm, I'm flipping the page and I'm trying to learn from that. And let's let's go to the next uh, chapter. You know? yeah, how long does it take? Obviously, you started at the beginning of, I guess, November of last year. How long does it ter- take to kind of learn uh, the wording that works for a player, how that relationship goes in terms of what, where to push and when to push? I think I'm still learning. <laughs> and No, seriously. Uh, I think I'm still learning on, on, on little things about him, about what, what he really likes, what it makes him a little bit uncomfortable or what he doesn't like, you know. And obviously he's, he's probably learning also about me too. You know, I think we have to really, really connect like, uh, like automatically. I mean, when I worked with uh, with Kay at the beginning, uh, with Kay Nishikori at the beginning was kind of like that. Then at the last couple of years, I I knew him so well that I I was just doing things like in auto mode, you know. Yeah. So with Grigor, it's, it's different. I'm asking him a lot of things too to 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 fix and to see, um, you know, to see that everything is connected and we have the best chemistry. And, and when you are working with a player who has been around for a, a longer period of time, is that a more difficult adjustment um, than it is if you're, say, working with somebody who comes in 21, 22, still very young and, and new to the game? I think it's more difficult, yeah. Yeah, because obviously he already has, he's been professional for, I don't know, 14, 15 <laughs> years. You know, he started so young. And right now he's in an, in an age that uh, probably he already has his mindset one way and then it's, it's tougher to change and it's tougher to, to adjust. So yeah, I think it's, it's more difficult, but you know, that, that's why the communication is very important. And, and the discussion, you know, between him and me, and then it's not my way or the highway, it's not his way or the highway, it's okay, let's try to do this, maybe this time, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's gonna work. And if, if, and if it doesn't work, what I'm telling him or whatever, I say, okay, listen, it, it's not working, let's try this now. So. I think it's, it's a lot of trying. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> experience. I I love to talk to coaches about that because I uh, some coaches are very kind of set in their ways. It sounds like you're a guy who's maybe more adaptable, and, and especially with a guy experienced like Grigor, you maybe take his input and, and adjust your style as well. For sure, for sure. I'm you. I, I believe that you cannot coach every player the same. Every person is different. Every player is different. Obviously, I have some my my method and and I have some things on my discipline and stuff like that that I that I will never change. But in regards of, of the player, yeah, I can make some some adjustments. You know, if it's going to be better for him, and I believe that is better for him. You cannot coach the same, the, the all the players the same. I believe. You know, everybody's different, especially like you say, different ages, different uh, cultures. So yeah, you have to adjust. 
How, how are you guys uh, who have been around for a while adjusting and adapting to these younger players who have uh, that ability to throw something in there that maybe you've never seen? They're not predictable anymore. You have to just control what you can control there. You have to be focused on your service game and then expect, you know, the, the, the unexpected on, on the other guys. So, but you have to try to be calm and, and like I say, try to control what you can control and, and focus on your game. Because even though you can control on what you can control, you know, you can do whatever, focus on your service game or on, on your game, but, but you can still lose, you know. So I think it's, yeah, it's easier if you know okay, this guy, you know, we can expect this from this guy. And if, if he works, he works. If he doesn't, okay, but luck. And, and Grigor is the guy who can throw in some of those those shots as well. I mean, he certainly has always shown that ability to be spectacular. Do you find he's uh, working and maybe playing to the crowd a little bit more as he goes along, especially uh, when you see Nick, when you see Bublik get all the highlights because of those trick shots? I mean, I don't know. Obviously, he he, he likes that. He likes to play with the, with the, with the fans and he loves... Uh, uh, to play in front of people, uh, Grigor, but um, I'm not that type of uh, kind of coach, you know, I just want to make things simple and let's win the point, but uh, I know that Grigor sometimes he likes that and, you know, that, that there is uh, that much that I can do there. Um, it, it seems though that you guys have a really good relationships in, in terms of, yeah, you might have some different uh, ways that you've approached things, but how has it come together off the court in terms of what you're able to do, go out for dinner? You seem like a very cultured man yourself, so you seem like you're going to be finding the, the best places to dine on the road out here. Well, yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, I like to have a good, a good meal and, um, and Grigor too. So, but uh, yeah, no, we, we get along. We get along very well. Uh, on the court and, and outside the court, you know, he's a super nice guy, um, very respectful, you know. So he's fun. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be to be with him. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and ATPTour.com. Finally, this week, another 30-year-old Milos. Raonic, the big Canadian, might have gone without a title in 2021, but by his own admission, has had far more than tennis on his mind during the COVID-19 pandemic as he aims to get back to peak form and fitness. I was uh, running to FedEx to ship some things. I was actually in Florida at that moment and just seeing how many people were lining up to sign up for unemployment. That, to me, was like... uh, the hardest thing to see because I just never saw that side of the whole pandemic. Today was my last day of my preseason training camp. It went incredibly well. Very proud of where everything's going and hopefully in the new year a lot of health, a lot of matches played and uh, reached some new goals, some new heights that I've been working hard for and hopefully I can work my way there. When the pandemic first broke out, uh, I rushed to get over to the East Coast. I felt I'd be mobile from there, going home to be safe with my family or continuing to Miami, which was still on the board at that time. Once I was there, uh, a couple days later, I think uh, the WHO officially announced as a global pandemic, and that's when everything sort of started falling off the board. So we ended up being in Florida for about 10 weeks till the borders started opening up a bit. I spent most of the time in the Bahamas. Obviously, we were paused for six months, but we had something there waiting for us on the other side and that there was going to be many people trying to bring tennis back as soon as possible. 
My greatest motivation was for the people around me to be careful. For my girlfriend, for the team that was taking the risk of being with me during the pandemic. I did get the opportunity to see my family. I think I've only seen them for about four or five nights throughout a year, and I'm somebody that's very close with this family. They would come to tournaments often. I'd go home to see them every opportunity I could. So I want to be safe for them. Uh, I want to be safe for myself because I know the kind of stress I would create for them as well if, if I was unwell. I'm making each decision with a very clear goal, and I think everything else has flowed easier because of it. During that period of time, I think tennis gave me a lot of stability and a lot of routine. I, I woke up, spent my morning in the gym, on a tennis court, and then would go back again and do something in the afternoon. So I think the days of training, getting ready, working towards something gave me a lot of structure. It allowed me to get myself sort of a hard reset, so I think that's how we approached it. I, I knew what worked for me, which helps for me past experiences uh, through injuries, but also it was nice to actually be able to dedicate a bit more to it. You know, by the time we got going in New York, it was like I'd been feeling like I'd been ready to go for a few months already. Uh, after getting my body right. So uh, all those kind of things and maybe that kind of forced delay in starting back up again uh, was a very positive thing. I hope that we can achieve a level of herd immunity, whether through people that have uh, been exposed and people that are vaccinated to a point where it is safe, especially from the more extreme level. I hope that can happen quickly and sort of stay ahead of it or at least not too far behind. And I think all those kind of things can be possible. It's really about staying healthy. I think that allows me to, to play and figure my tennis out, which uh, has come to me easier than the health aspect. So I think if I can take care of that, I give myself the freedom to compete, to work on things, to train properly. Uh, I can see the other pieces falling together for me. Thanks to Milos Raonic, also to Kevin Anderson, to David Goffin, Dante Bettini and Marin Cilic. Remember, the nominees have been announced for the ATP Awards 2021 and you, the fans, can vote on two categories, your favourite player and team. You can find out more about all of that and vote at atptour.com. You can also get all the latest news on the ATP Tour app. Come back next week for more exclusive content. Thanks for listening. See you then. <laughs>